Uh, we're at Calvary Chapel Church. If you don't know, we go verse by verse through the Bible generally. We've been in First uh, John. It's been a really awesome time in First John. Um, but we also don't have to go verse by verse all the time. So we're going topical today. Obviously, I wanted to just talk about what happened today, the significance of Easter and what that looks like in our lives. So instead of doing First John, we're just going to be in the gospel of John this morning. Uh, and we're going to be in chapter 20. As I prayed about what God would have for us today, he made it pretty easy because uh, I don't know how long we've been in the our John Bible study youth, like a year. I don't know. It's been a long time. We started a Bible study with the youth. And uh, Wednesday, we got to John 19, which is just the story of Jesus's crucifixion. And, and so I said, what, you know, we'll just keep going. Chapter 20, I told him to be here and find out what happens. And so we're in John chapter 20 this morning. <clears throat> And we're just going to be looking at, we're just keeping it simple this morning. There's a lot of pressure for pastors to come up with some great Easter sermons or, or everything. And I was feeling that earlier this week is just, this is my first Easter up on the stage going, what am I going to do? I don't, I'm not ready for this. And just really felt the Holy Spirit just call me down throughout this week on uh, Tuesday and just say, we're just keeping it simple. The story basically tells itself. I'm just up here just relaying the, the good news this morning. So uh, I don't even have notes for you guys. The note is that Jesus is alive. So you can just write that on your paper this morning, I guess, if you're a note taker. Um, I didn't even name it. <clears throat> but as we get into uh, our text this morning, this is an account from John, and we've been learning about kind of John's uh, kind of writing style in 1 John and, and how I really love John because he's just such a practical guy, just really writes things out really well for people to be able to understand them and, and just feel his message clearly. And we're going to see that today in our text as he focuses on the resurrection and specifically a woman named Mary Magdalene. Now, the other Gospels tell that there were other people uh, that were with Mary Magdalene as she's kind of the first person to, uh, to discover the empty tomb. Uh, but for whatever reason, John focuses on Mary Magdalene specifically. And we're going to see in our scriptures that the sight of an empty tomb and the voice of Jesus calling to her by name changed everything for her changed everything for this woman. And it's, it, it changes everything for us too. It changes everything for the world. If we stand up, if, if we're here today and Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if that tomb was still full and you could just go over to Israel and just go see his pile of bones uh, in a tomb somewhere, this is all for nothing. This is all silly that we're here today. But the good news is that the tomb was empty. And Mary ran into a living Jesus. She went there expecting to find a, a dead Jesus. And she found a living Jesus. And so we're just going to be in verse one. We're going to go all the way to verse 18. Big chunk of scripture today. Uh, but I'm up for the challenge. Are you guys? Okay, let's do it. 
It says, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Therefore, Peter went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen cloth lying there. Yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and saw the linen cloth lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also. And he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked inside the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting. One at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this to them, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be a gardener, said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Roboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had been, or that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. That's where we're going to stop this morning. Yeah, what an awesome picture of just the resurrection. Love that account. This morning, when we're just going to dive into this, kind of go verse by verse through this text. But I just, I want to ask the question to you guys. You're all here for a reason, unless you were actually kidnapped and dragged here against your will. And that gets a little bit weird. Um, but you're all here for, and maybe, I don't know, maybe God's doing something there, right? I don't know. But you're all here for a reason this morning. And I want to ask you guys, what does Easter mean for you this morning? Why are you here this morning? For a lot of us, it's, it's a time for us to pause and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Um, for others, it might be that you have questions about this account, about the Bible, about what's happened, about God. <clears throat> for others, it's just a story that you know, and this is the end of it. Jesus was a good person. He came, he lived, and he died, and he rose again, and they lived happily ever after. We're all here for a reason this morning. And I want to know what, what does Easter mean to you? 
What does does Easter mean to you? As we just go through this text, I want you to think about that in your own lives. As we look at Mary Magdalene, what it's going to mean to her this morning. Now, we don't know a whole lot about Mary Magdalene. It does tell us in Luke 8 uh, that Mary Magdalene uh, traveled around with Jesus, hung out with the disciples, uh, and, and was really part of Jesus's posse. Uh, It also says that she was possessed by seven demons. I don't know what a woman possessed by seven demons looks like. I don't know what kind of trouble or, or what she was into um, or what that life looks like. Uh, I can imagine it's, it's probably close to a living hell. That's really all the that's really all the Bible says about Mary Magdalene. People and scholars have reason to believe that maybe she was a uh, a prostitute. We don't know that for sure. Um, there's been other really weird things uh, brought up about Mary Magdalene. Some of them have just been proven not true. That other kind of religions believe this is true, but um, but really, I just want to stick with the facts of the Bible here, which is that she was possessed by seven demons. And she was living a life that nobody wants to live. Nobody wants even one demon in them. And the thing that changed was Jesus came along and, and freed her. Jesus came along and changed her life forever. And, and that's what we know about Mary Magdalene. She had seven demons in her. She was one way uh, possessed by demons. Jesus came into her life and, and fixed everything. Freed her from these demons. Cast these demons out. And I want to just, I tell you that to just paint the picture of of this woman and her devotion for this woman that we see in our text this morning. Because I think Mary Magdalene was at a place where her, her hope probably died the same day that Jesus died on that cross. And her question was probably, what's going to happen to me now that Jesus is dead? What's going to happen to me now that the savior that I've put all my trust into is gone? Are these demons going to come back into my life? Is my life going to go back to the way it was? So just ask yourself this morning, what does Easter mean to you? And just think about Mary's life as as we jump into the text here. Verse one says, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. And while it was still dark, we're not talking about like 6 a.m., just like maybe on the cusp. Uh, It was 3 a.m. in the morning that Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. Uh, Nothing good happens at 3 a.m. in the morning. And really, we have to look at the kind of risk Mary Magdalene was taking to, to be out in the streets at 3 a.m. in the morning. If a Roman guard would have caught her, she probably would have gotten in trouble. She probably would get thrown in jail. Uh, but her, invo- her devotion to, to Jesus Christ was uh, inspiring. And again, Mary's coming from a place she, she thinks her Savior's dead. She, she missed the message just like the rest of the disciples missed the message that Jesus was trying to relay to them that I, I'm going to die and, and rise again. But... <clears throat> 
but her devotion to Jesus gets her up at 3 a.m. to head to the tomb to prepare Jesus's tomb. Uh, it says in another account that she had some spices. She, was, she and a few other women uh, came out to prepare Jesus's uh, body for, uh, for his, his tomb. But she's also credited with being one of the few people at the cross when Jesus died. <clears throat> and we see here, she's the first at the tomb. And so just, man, 40, 60 hours, I don't know, 72 hours before this, whatever, a couple days before this, she witnessed her Lord and Savior who saved her from everything, uh, be tortured and beaten and, and crucified. I just imagine what, what Mary was going through watching this, watching this, just the torment in, in her brain as she watched that man that saved her life, who freed her from demons, be tortured, And it just really paints this beautiful picture uh, that Mary Magdalene, even though she watched her savior die and, and she thinks that he's in a, in a tomb that she's ready to serve the Lord living or dead because of what she, because of what the Lord did for her. Verse two says when she, or then she ran or, I guess the last bit of verse one, she saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. And so Mary's first reaction is to run and tell John and Peter, the disciple Jesus loved. He had to throw that in there. He's writing about himself. He just wanted everybody to know that he was the disciple Jesus loved, like he didn't love the rest of them. Uh, okay, weird flex. Um, but her first thoughts are somebody's removed Jesus's body. And again, just completely not missing the picture that the disciples and so many missed this first time of just... Uh, the thought hadn't even crossed her mind that Jesus may have been resurrected. She just goes straight to the Romans moved him or somebody stole him. That's what she goes and tells Peter and, and John. Mary had doubts and fears though. Mary was in a, a place of just doubt and fear. And doubt and fears are just tools of the enemy of Satan that he uses to just make us not see clearly to just tunnel our vision, to just focus on things that don't matter and to see the bigger picture. It's, it's true in Mary Magdalene's life and, and the disciples. And it's true in our life too. Fear and doubt are often the biggest things that just anxiety, all, all those things like that are just often so they're so crippling to us. They're so crippling for us to see the whole vision of, of what's going on. And we just get hyper-focused on one thing. And we're really going to see that 
get even further as we go into the story. <clears throat> therefore, or Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going back to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. So not only is John just basically the greatest disciple of all time, according to himself, um, he's apparently super fast. So that's what you need to know about John this morning is that he's fast. Uh, the part that he left out is that he's probably like 10 years younger than Peter, most people believe. So like probably not even a fair race, but um, I also just like, you have to stop and just kind of laugh at, at this, this verse and just go. John's writing about beating Peter in a foot race. But where does that leave Mary Magdalene? Did they just like leave her behind? Come on, guys. This woman just came and told you that Jesus is gone, having a frantic moment. And Peter and John are like, I'll race you to the tomb. We'll see you there, Mary. You can go alone. <laughs> it's crazy. Do better, Peter and John. Um... But it says John got there first and Peter goes, but Peter goes in first. And just love details like this in John's writings uh, that just really personalize things in the Bible. It makes the story that much realer. If somebody just made this stuff up, they went through a lot of effort to, to really put in some really quirky details. Um, and it just, it doesn't really line up. You see people who just go like, well, how do we know this is true? Well, it's accounted for many, many times for one, but also just look at the, look at the gospels and how they line up together. Look at these accounts, look at the detail that's there that has survived over years. And you just go, how, how can you say somebody just made this stuff up? But John got there first. Peter goes in first, which I actually think makes Peter the winner of that race. But um, if they're racing to the tomb, Peter got into the tomb first. Um, but these details just point out the realness of who these people are. Because we see Peter over and over again. Uh, he's kind of bold. He's kind of like act first, ask questions later type guy. And he would be the guy who just rushes into the tomb while John's going like, I don't know if I want to go in there. Like, I don't know, somebody just carried Jesus out of there. Or like, I, you know, I don't know what's going on. Let's maybe investigate first. And Peter's like, no, nah, I'm going to go in there. And we see that again, you know, Peter ready to like pull a sword on a guy who got too close to Jesus or you know, cut an ear off of a dude. And, and, and Jesus had to constantly just be like, oh, settle down a little bit, Peter. And we see that here just played out. And it just such a, brings such a personal aspect to this message this morning. <clears throat> the end of verse eight says that they went in and they saw the linens and the claws all folded up. And, and John credits himself with being the first person who saw and believed. And we don't get much more than that. Uh, it says he saw and believed. But then it says, for as they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. 
Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. This is a pretty interesting uh, couple of verses here. And I'm not sure what really went on. It's pretty interesting. John credits himself with believing Jesus rose. And, and John's really put the pieces together. But then it says they did not know the scripture that he must rise again. But they kind of would have had some of that scripture from the Old Testament. The whole Bible talks about Jesus coming back and doing this. And so I'm just not sure if they just didn't understand. I'm not sure if John kept that information to himself. Uh, and I'm not sure why they went home. Maybe it was a lot to handle. Maybe they thought that's where Jesus would be. Or at least maybe that's where John thought he would be. But it all just goes like, well, and why didn't they tell Mary? Uh, maybe she's still walking there from uh, wherever Mary met them. I don't know. Um, but says that Peter and John just went home. And, and we don't get much more than that in, the, in this uh, account. But it says in verse 11, Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she weeped, she stooped down and looked at, into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting. One at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord. And I do not know where they have laid him. And again, we just see how devoted Mary is, Mary Magdalene is to, to finding Jesus, to seeking out Jesus. What happened to Jesus? Where is Jesus's body? She's so defeated. She's so just tunnel visioned on the, in, in her own fear and doubt that angels aren't even like phasing her. This is like one of the only accounts in the Bible that doesn't start with an angel talking and saying, do not fear. People were freaked out by angels. And most of the time when angels spoke, they said, all right, don't freak out. We're angels. We don't get this here. Mary's just unfazed by two angels uh, in the tomb. And I think if I was, you know, I could sit here and, Monday morning quarterback Mary all day long be like, Mary, why didn't you ask these angels what's going on with Jesus? But again, it's that fear and that doubt and the hopelessness that has just consumed her. She's just so focused on, I need to find Jesus that she doesn't, she's missing everything. She's just missing the signs right in front of her face. Why would their angel, angels be there? What are the angels doing there? She doesn't know. She just says, I'm sad because Jesus isn't here. They've taken Jesus. Where can I find him? I don't know where he's at. I need Jesus. And even angels, uh, they ask, why are you weeping? Which I think is just their way of, of trying to calm her down. You know, tell me why you're crying. Maybe it was their way of trying to get their, get Mary to realize, hey, there's no reason to be crying. We've got the answers for you. Why are you crying? But even these angels couldn't calm Mary. 
That's going to be something we're going to find only Jesus is going to be able to do for, for Mary Magdalene this morning. Verse 14, now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. few reasons why maybe she didn't recognize Jesus. One could be that maybe Jesus just didn't want her to, to recognize him by vision. More practically, it could be that it was still kind of dark out. Whatever time it was, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., uh, could still have been just a little dark out for her to see clearly who this was behind her. Uh, maybe Mary was so just stricken by grief and uh, emotions. Maybe she had tears in her eyes that were stopping her from seeing clearly. I read something this week that I think makes a lot of sense. And, and, and again, we don't, this is all just speculation. We don't know, but maybe he looked different because of the trauma that his body had just gone through. We know in a few verses later in verse 27 that he's still rocking his, his holes in his hands and, and the spear on his side where he had been speared on the cross. And that makes me go, did, were his other like features still messed up, still traumatized from, from what had happened to him a couple of days ago? He was tortured, says his beard was plucked out, his he was hit in the face. That could totally disconfigure somebody to where you couldn't be recognized. And so I, I like to believe that maybe it's that. But for whatever reason, we, we don't know. Mary Magdalene couldn't see Jesus standing right in front of her clearly. <clears throat> Verse 15 says, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be a, the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where have you have laid him, and I will take him away. Mary's still just dead set on finding Jesus. Hey, gardener, do you, do you have anything to do with this? I need to find Jesus. Why are you talking to me? I need to find Jesus. I don't, I don't care about what you're saying unless you know where I can find Jesus. And she, she's even at this point, she's like, I'm going to take him away. This woman thinks she can carry this man. I, you know, I'm Mary, Mary, maybe Mary Magdalene was like ripped, went to CrossFit or something. But like, it also says in like another verse that like Jesus had a hundred pounds of like cloth and, and stuff on him. So like, Jesus plus 100 pounds, Mary thinks she's just going to drag him out of wherever and just bring, bring Jesus back. Again, fear and doubt. Just stopping us from, from seeing. Now Jesus has spoken words to her. And we're still just seeing Mary not see Jesus right in front of her. <clears throat> I think this tells us that it's possible to be in the presence of the Lord and not know it. It's possible to be blinded by the fact that he's right in front of your face. Do you guys ever feel like that?
we go through these situations and we go through this stuff and problems and trials and God doesn't promise that any of that's going to go away when we start to follow Jesus. When we have a relationship with Jesus, Jesus is going to be there walking by our side through it. But sometimes we get so caught up in our problems and again, that fear and doubt that Mary had, that wickedness. Those tools from the enemy just say, where's Jesus? How come Jesus isn't showing me? How come Jesus isn't helping me with these problems when he is? Just maybe not in the way you think so. Last weekend, I got the opportunity to pray at an event over in Lebanon called Dallas Blue Angels. And just a super awesome organization in our community that uh, helps with the prevention of child abuse. Raises a bunch of funds for some of these local things in our community uh, that spread child abuse awareness and, and prevention. And um, heard just a touching testimony from a 16-year-old girl who got up and told a bunch of adults standing there at a thing that wasn't a Christian function that she was a child abuse survivor and of sexual abuse. This 16 year old girl survived rape and physical abuse. And I love that she just said, I, I, she started getting teary. I said, I can't, I, I couldn't do this without Jesus walking next to me. I couldn't get through any of this if it wasn't for Jesus standing there by my side, walking through me, with me through all of this. And now she's using this as just a way to, to go and testify to other people who need to hear that message of hope. And God's using her in such a mighty way. It was really inspiring. I went up and told her afterwards. I was like, man, you need to keep telling that story. Keep putting Jesus' name on it. That's awesome. Verse 16 says, Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned around to him and said, Rabboni, which is a funny word, but it also is the word that means teacher. <clears throat> and this is the moment that changes everything. This is the moment that changed everything that changed Mary's whole life. Simply Jesus saying her name is what Mary needed to know. This is my Lord. He's standing right in front of me and he is alive. Mary officially becomes the first person to recognize the resurrected living Christ in the flesh. How cool is that? John 10 verses three and four say, is referred to Jesus as the good shepherd. You guys ever heard Jesus be referred to as the good shepherd? We're the sheep. And it says to, the, to him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. That's pretty cool, right? That's pretty cool that Jesus said that. Uh, Jesus said that if, I don't know how long before this, but Jesus said that to them. 
I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to call you by name and you're going to know my voice. And that's what it took. Jesus called her by name. And it's that moment that her life went from hopeless to joyful. And it's that same moment that the world went from hopeless to joyful to hopeful. That two seconds that it took Mary to turn around, her condition went from a woman who was hopeless, who was broken, who was fearful, didn't know what was going to come. She was lost. And she became a woman full of joy, full of hope, and she was made new again. The only thing that happened was Jesus. The only thing that happened was a living Jesus. Her expectations were blown away. She was expecting to just go serve the Lord. She was expecting a, a dead man. And to her surprise, Jesus was living. In that moment, the fear, the anxiety, whatever was blinding her went away. And she could see clearly just by Jesus calling her by name. This is the moment that changed the world. This is, this is why we're here. This is why the Bible matters. This is why. It's because of the empty tomb and the living Jesus. This is where BC becomes AD. It literally changes the time on our calendar. This is the moment that in human history where things became hopeful, where we could overcome death and wickedness and stop living meaningless lives. This is the moment we could say, we've got something to live for after this world. I love how God didn't reveal himself uh, to, to one of the 12 men that he traveled with. He didn't reveal himself to the priests or the Romans. He revealed himself to a broken woman. But that broken woman was faithfully staying by his side, seeking out Jesus. And you see those other two guys, they just went back home. And I don't know, maybe they were waiting around for Jesus. Mary wasn't going to wait. Mary wasn't going to wait for, for Jesus to come find her. She was going to go look for Jesus, living or dead. And Jesus revealed himself to her. So cool that God can use broken people. God does use broken people. Jesus calls the broken. We're all broken people. Amen? Yeah. You better say amen. If you think that, if you're here this morning, it's the first time you stepped in a church and I, I don't know how long because you've been hurt by churches because we're broken. Yeah. The people in this church are broken. We got issues. We're not perfect. Jesus is perfect. Not only did Jesus use Mary Magdalene to be the first witness 
but she used him to be the first messenger as well. We can wrap with 17 and 18 here. They say, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Now, again, you just have to kind of picture Mary Magdalene seeing Jesus alive, the expectation so much bigger than what she could ever imagine. And her just putting this death grip hug on Jesus. And Jesus going, all right, Mary, you're like choking me. Uh, Mary going, I lost you once, Jesus. I'm not going to lose you again. I'm not going to lose you again. I'm never going to let go of you. And Jesus is like, I need you to let go. I've got something more for you to do here than to just cling on to me. I have to ascend to my father in heaven. And I've got a message for you. I need you to go tell the others. What a cool moment. Because I need you to go tell the others. A woman's, a woman was looked at so differently back then. That like such a not a credible source. Uh, that Mary Magdalene would have been just with her history or, or whatever, just being a woman in general forgot to use a woman to send that message is, is, is such a cool thing. Just broken people, people who seem out of the ordinary being used. But I also just love that our resurrected God, Jesus Christ has grace. And he says, go tell these others. Maybe they weren't searching for me like you were, but I still love them. He calls them their, go tell my brothers. He says, I want them to come be part of this family. Jesus wants you to be part of his family this morning. It doesn't matter about your past or present situation and what that looks like. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin are death, but there's more to it. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus' death on the cross was a payment for our sins. Do you guys know that this morning? It was a gift. It was a free gift that all we have to do is believe in Jesus, repent of our sin, move in the right direction. And if the death on the cross was a payment for our sin. Then the empty tomb just makes it, uh, makes that our receipt. So again, as I wrap this morning, I just want to ask, what does Easter mean to you? Does it mean that you can stand here just part of God's family, uh, ready to just spread the good news? Are you holding on to Jesus this morning, knowing that he's alive because Jesus is telling you, you need to go out and tell the others. Go out and tell the others of the resurrected king. I have risen. If you're here this morning asking questions, if you're seeking something, if you don't know, can I just encourage you this morning to just stop and, and pray and ask Jesus to call you by name? You're not, it's not an accident you're here this morning. Not an accident you're here this morning. And Jesus is present in your life. You just don't see him. You've got tunnel vision.
Ask Jesus to call you by name. He will. He wants to have that relationship with you. Are you here feeling just broken, hopeless this morning? Feeling like you've let Jesus down? Maybe that this was just the end of a story? When really it's just the beginning of a story. Just the beginning of what God's going to do in in your life. What God's going to do with this church. We can have our... Mary Magdalene moment today. Whatever it is you're searching for, whatever reason you came here this morning, let's have that moment. Have that moment with God this morning. If you're here and you're a believer, say, God, I want more. God, use me. Use me the way you use Mary. I'm broken. But I know you use broken people. And use me, God. Tell me what you want me to do. Tell me, I need to spread the good news. Or, or Mary, maybe you're a Mary Magdalene looking for, looking for Jesus this morning. He's calling to you. And he wants to change your life. Or maybe you're a Christian and, and you've been away for a while. You've been away from church for a while. And you're saying, man, I, I want to proclaim Jesus. I want to proclaim Jesus this morning. I want to publicly announce that I'm following Jesus. I'm going to live a life that Jesus wants me to live. You can make that choice this morning, whatever category you fall into. I'm going to invite my prayer team up, uh, Brad and Amber and Nick and uh, Sherry, Larry, why don't you guys come up too? I just want to encourage you guys this morning. Come pray that prayer. It's a simple prayer. It's a simple message this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, what better day than today? Jesus is real. He's alive. And that's what matters. He loves you. Come pray that prayer with, with, with somebody. If If you're not comfortable doing that, come find us afterwards. Come find me afterwards and I'll pray that with you. We're going to sing a couple worship songs and just celebrate the risen King this morning. Um, I haven't even announced this. Uh, I just talked to the staff on Tuesday and said, you know what? I think I'm going to fill the baptismal. I haven't announced baptisms this week, uh, but I've got hot water sitting in that pool over there. And I'd love to baptize you if you want to make this a day where you want to proclaim Jesus. I would love to baptize you this morning. So if that's you this morning, uh, I just encourage you these next couple of songs, come up for prayer. Come up and ask one of these people, hey, I want to get more, I want to get serious about Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to say that prayer with you. That's going to change my life forever. I want to feel that love of Jesus. I'm done being hopeless. I'm done being broken. I want to live for Jesus.